Welcome to Unlikely Intersections, where intent, impact, and inquiry inspire conversations. I'm Dr. Philip Brown. I'm here with my good friend, Dr. Terry Jackson, and we are at the intersection. It's interesting, of course, that we all experience many intersections daily, and the way we navigate these, whether it's at work, at home, at play, really determines the trajectory of our day and our life. Terry, it's good to have you again. Good to be here, Doc. How are you? I can't complain a bit. Can't complain a bit. We're going to hit them with an interesting topic today. Self-limiting beliefs. And we all have them regardless of who we think we are or how far we've advanced in life. They still There's still somebody whispering in our ear. <laughs> and that voice is constant, right? We talk about this all the time. It's the little person on your shoulder or it's whatever. And, you know, once you start... Once you start building an awareness of that constant mental chatter, you realize that it's self-talk yeah. nonstop all the time almost. And so it really becomes a matter of how do we shape that self-talk differently? How do we recognize that it's happening? How do we understand when we're in a situation where it really doesn't apply? Yeah. And then how do we redirect? And it's interesting because our good friend, Dr. Rao, when he talked about mental chatter, he says, hey, understand that mental chatter is not you. And so what I need for you to do is to be able to observe the mental chatter, right? Because it's always going to be, it's always going to happen. And there's always mental chatter, but understand that you just need to observe it. And as you said, how do you shape it? That creates the space. Once you realize that it's, it's happening, it's out of your control, and then you realize there's a space here. There's some work that I can do, right? It's self-work, but there's something that I can do to navigate forward from this spot. Maybe it's that, you know, the world is not as against me as I thought. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of self-limiting beliefs comes from the environment that we are raised in, right? For whatever reason, someone says something and, we begin to think about it and we begin to formulate some belief that's probably not true, but at the time, we're not even realizing that that formulation of whatever that self-limited belief is. So <clears throat> let's kind of, for people who may or may not understand this, let's kind of define for them, what is a self-limiting belief? Self-limiting belief definition. I'll, I'll say what it, it means, means to for you. me, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And to me, it's, it is just some set of rules mm -hmm. that I've accepted. Mm -hmm. I may not have known that they were being applied to me or suggested to me, but I have just come to believe that this set of rules governs what's available to me to do and pursue and be. That's right. And most of the time... It's unspoken, that's right. and to a large extent, I'm even unaware of it. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, self-limiting beliefs. Growing up, even though I was told I can do anything I want to do, my mother always told me that, there were still certain things I believed that I could not do, given what my environment uh, was. But through experience, education, and observation, a lot of those beliefs I was able to put to the side. But the more you put to the side, <laughs> when the environment changes, the more self-limiting beliefs that are created. At least that's what I found true for me. Um, and as I see it, as you framed it, a set of rules that govern me around what I can and can't do that may not necessarily be true. For instance, self-limited belief, if I go out there now and run five miles, can't do it. Give me a couple weeks of training and I will be able to do it. And the importance to that is, for everyone, is that 
You can always overcome your self-limiting belief by putting in the research and the work. And I think that's the message that we, that we can help people overcome their self-limiting beliefs is that for the most part, they're not true. What amazes me is how much we get held back by these self-limiting beliefs that were imposed upon us maybe when we were children, mm-hmm. right? And we've, we've created a construct around it. And at the time, maybe it was our parents, maybe it was the school system we came up in, maybe it was whatever was going on in society at that point in time, really became a part of how we think about everything. Mm-hmm. Well, how much does it still apply 50 years later? That's right. That's you know, right. And, and if we're still applying those rules from the, 70s mm-hmm. what are we missing out on now that's right right and how do we as you said really eloquently you can't really it's hard to eliminate those beliefs you really have to replace them yes yes mental models right it speaks to mental models right examining why i believe the way that i believe where did that come from and what can i do to replace it and so that speaks to the question, how does one minimize self-limiting beliefs? That, in my mind, gets at the concept of self-awareness. Mm. So one of the things we know in all of our leadership work is that that whole process of self-awareness, self-actualization, is really important for people's long-term and continued success, that willingness to examine yourself, your beliefs, your performance, Mm -hmm. and then through that actualization process, take that to newer and higher levels. To me, that's the first step, right? Because as we've talked about, it's that, you know, there's this constant chatter, Mm -hmm. always telling Mm -hmm. you something, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily true. It's just the reality that that you've created for yourself or mm-hmm. I've created for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and this voice is constantly telling me mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I can and can't do, mm-hmm. what I should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. And we have all kinds of institutions that drive it. Right. And I'm not talking about laws that are made in the interest mm-hmm. of the common good. I'm talking more about uh, traditions and belief systems and, you know, where we have folks that basically are real clear about what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it creates this black and white world, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, you know, the, like the, it's interesting. If you look at a rainbow, mm-hmm. all the colors of the spectrum, mm-hmm. what do you not see? You don't see black or white. Right. Why is that? And that's because at each end of that rainbow, that's where you just get a total reflection that's right. or a total absorption that's of right. everything. Right. That's so right. they're not even real colors. So this whole, uh, <laughs> this whole mountain of right versus wrong, wrong, that there are only two choices. Most of the time is just not reality because typically there are many choices and many opportunities. And, and the key word you use there is that just a phrase that just not reality. Right. And that's what's so true about these self-limiting beliefs. It's just not reality. It's perceived, right? Because someone's been whispering in your ear what you can or you can't do. You know, you're not smart. You're not, you're not fast. Uh, you're not going to be anything, right? Lots and lots of people have heard those kinds of things. I remember hearing a story about, uh, and, and maybe this is not a good example, but I remember hearing a story of a Bill Cosby many years ago. And he said when he was growing up, people always told him in his life he wasn't going to be anything. And he had quit school. And he was washing dishes, and a guy told him he wasn't going to be the S word, the S-H-I word, right? He wasn't going to be anything in life. And he kind of bought into it. And then all of a sudden, he kind of woke up one day, and he decided that he was going to go back to school because he had dropped out of high school. And he went back and got his GED, and then he went to Temple and became an athlete and ended up graduating from Temple and ultimately earning his uh, doctorate in education. But there were so many limiting beliefs that slowed him down earlier uh, in life. And there are many other people 
who've had those kinds of limiting beliefs. But at some point in time, what's been proven is you can overcome those. So one of the questions you have to ask yourself and for people to ask them themselves is, who's whispering in your ear? And who's saying what? You, what are you saying to yourself, basically? So true. Who's surrounding you? And a lot of times there's this great tendency to want to climb, want to be an expert, want to do whatever, right? To be top dog, if you will. Mm -hmm. One of the worst places you can put yourself in if you want to grow, right? Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. you find yourself at the top of the mountain, <laughs> and you look around and, and everyone is subordinate to you and you're the smartest person in the room, that's the time to get out. <laughs> you know, because you always want to be somewhere where there is a challenge to your belief system or <laughs> someone who can <laughs> help you come along, opportunity to listen to things a little bit differently. It really is, you know, a phenomenon that exists. We see it in leadership so much, <laughs> yes, right? Where yes, yes. somebody, you know, they've arrived and all of a sudden they're the smartest person. People look to them. Right. And it's a real <laughs> challenge to, right. for that leader. A lot of times to be humble enough to admit even that there are lots of ideas in a given room that are better than theirs. That's right. Right. And there's something right. that has to be invited into the space. That's right. Yeah. Oftentimes leaders are anointed, right. To be the smartest ones. Right. And so, and oftentimes it's not the case because the collective is always better than the individual. You know, one thing about limiting beliefs is this limiting beliefs are always looking for proof that they are right. That's interesting because it keeps you in a space of lack of growth. We did an episode on curiosity, limiting beliefs, limit curiosity, which actually curiosity takes you out of or should take you out of that whole limiting belief space. So if, if we had to think of some common limiting beliefs that we could easily overcome because small victories always help in taking one through this process. What would some of those limiting beliefs be and how could we overcome them? Well, I think one of the most common limiting beliefs that I see is it sounds something like this. The world is against me. Mm -hmm. Right. The <laughs> cards are stacked against me. Mm -hmm. The organization doesn't believe in me. Mm -hmm. My boss doesn't think I can do this. Some version of that. Right. That is a completely self-limiting belief. Mm -hmm. And you talked about, you know, how you go out and confirm that. That's the whole concept of confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. Right. So I start thinking that everything is against me and I find it everywhere I look. <laughs> and pretty soon I'm just paralyzed, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that's the most common self-limiting belief out there. And, of course, the antidote to that is curiosity. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's as simple as a question of what makes that true, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it puts you into the space. We always talk about how it's hard to see what's missing. Mm -hmm. It's easy to see what's there a lot of times, but mm -hmm. it's hard to see what's missing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in order to navigate beyond that place, mm -hmm. you have to see what's missing for you. That's right. right? Not That's what's right. missing in the space. That's right. It is what's missing in the way you're looking at the opportunities that are right in front of you a lot of times. That's right. You know, <clears throat> oftentimes in conversation, I hear people talk about, uh, what's happening with the, the world from an environmental perspective, right? Um, and the beliefs that come behind that, right? You know, we're running out of trees, we're running out of oil, we're running out of space, we're running out of a whole lot of things, right? Which are all beliefs. And, and they help limit sometimes activity. And the question I always ask when I hear that is, since we've been on this earth, what have we run out of? Have we run out of water? Have we run out of oil? Have we run out of trees? And the answer is, of course, no. We haven't. I say, well, if that's the case, then that means that we live in a universe of abundance. 
So we haven't run out of anything, even though all of the scarcity thought processes help to limit some of those beliefs around what we are, and, and they're crafting those, those thought processes around that. The reality is <laughs> we haven't run out of anything. Even though oil prices might be high, it's high because there's some people realize that this is a this is a business that we're in, and that you know we understand how we can control this, and we're getting wealthy off of it. But the fact that we're running out of oil is just not a reality, simply because the United States sits on one of the largest deposits of oil in the world, and and you know we just are not uh, manufacturing. But it's a limiting belief, and they, those are limiting beliefs that people have a tendency to believe. Because they're thinking scarcity versus abundance, right? And that's because something might, somebody continued to say something to them about it, the rhetoric, right? It's like <laughs> in, the pol- in the political arena, fake news, all of a sudden, fake news, limiting beliefs, right, around what's actually happening and what's not happening and people buying into to all of that because somebody's whispering in their ear, they're being influenced around what to believe. It holds true for limiting beliefs as well. Well, you're talking, you know, the whole concept of fake news is just another version of <laughs> the forces are against me, right? right exactly. Because what, what it does is it picks out specific topics and it drives fear. That yes. great shaper of human behavior and belief yes. is fear, right? Mm-hmm. And they're common human fears. Maybe we'll do an episode about that in the future. But, you know, the whole concept that fear is a great shaper of behavior is something mm-hmm. that you've got to come at with, with the understanding that it shapes your personal decisions, it mm-hmm. shapes your business decisions, mm-hmm. it shapes your political decisions. And to the extent that people can fool you into not looking a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. you can be led around with, with a belief system that is completely false, right? Mm-hmm. It's just too limited, mm-hmm. you know, to have any validity mm-hmm. whatsoever. But this whole concept of fear uh, is, is one of those things. I mean, fear is a legitimate emotion. And, yes, you yes, know, it is. it's what sets up courage. It's all these different kind of things. What we have to reconcile at some point in time is that a lot of the great things that we can accomplish individually or collectively lie on the other side of fear, mm-hmm. right? The dragon always guards the gold, yeah, basically, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the first thing about fear is why not vet it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is the thing I'm worried about likely to happen Mm -hmm. if it does happen what then what's the worst thing that can happen and all these sort of curiosity questions that help you do a rapid risk benefit analysis can help move you to a better place that removes the limits we're talking about most of these most of these fears that we have on a day-to-day basis in our society are unfounded. That's right. Uh, not totally unfounded. There are some legitimate things that we should be concerned about, but most of the things are worst case scenarios that we've put into our mind that shape us in ways we don't even realize. That's right. That's right. And you know, uh, as I was just kind of looking up limiting beliefs here, uh, I'm, I'm seeing that Three of the top limiting beliefs that everyone experience. One is around limiting beliefs around money. The second is <laughs> limiting beliefs around weight loss. <laughs> I guess I fall into that category. <laughs> and then limiting beliefs about starting a business, right? And, you know, when you talk to people, especially about business, well, I, I'm not I, I'm not the kind of person to be able to start a business, um, and I'm like, why? Why wouldn't you? Is aren't these skill sets and um, that you can learn? Uh, can't you be disciplined? 
isn't it a process? Well, if you can follow processes, you can start a business, right? And then limiting <laughs> beliefs around weight loss, right? Same thing, right? <laughs> Following the process, right? <laughs> Being along the journey, you know? Uh, and then money. Money is huge for a lot of people. Um, rich people are greedy. Money is the root of all evil. Uh, uh, I'm not good with money. All of these limiting beliefs, at least three top ones that people share, uh, and they're so common that I think we need to kind of deal with them here because, you know, we all have our own limiting beliefs, but these three limiting beliefs can truly be helpful in, with, with people who are listening to Absolutely. and watching our show. And I'll never forget, like, I'm, uh, you know, one of the times where uh, you were presenting to one of our groups at the hospital system, uh, you, you had the saying, all diets work. Yes. <laughs> right. Because, like, you know, and, and that gets at the concept of, of, of the belief, you know, it's not about your plan. It's about your execution. Yes. Right. You know, can you execute on it? That's and right. if you execute on a given plan, it is likely to work. That's right. You know, and that, that means you've got to pull back some of the false thoughts that maybe you had that say, I can't really do it. Mm-hmm. And, the C word, which we've talked about previously, commit yep. to the plan, <laughs> yep. you know, or at least to the direction, right? right. You know, we right. talk about that's that right. a lot that's too right. is, that's right. you know, commitment didn't necessarily mean to, to do all these steps. It's really committing to a direction and then taking opportunities as they arise. But I've always been amazed at the sort of the, the self-limitation around not just weight loss, but health factors in mm-hmm, general, mm-hmm, right? Is that mm-hmm. folks for some reason think that it's not, it's just not within their ability mm-hmm. to have healthy behaviors, whatever mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's too hard. It's going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. My body's not made to do that mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, it's all really the same thing. And it, it kind of just gets at, uh, an underlying concept that we think things should somehow be easier. That's right. There's no guarantee of easy in any of this stuff. Right. right? But, but just because it's not easy doesn't mean it can't be possible. That's right. And it goes back to one of our previous episodes on commitment, right? We talked about commitment, having being committed to minimizing or eliminating that limiting belief, right? Not, not that it's, you know, it's going to be some pain, right? Because you're talking about taking your body and your mind through a whole different process to achieve another outcome. And it's really about, you know, the journey, right? Um, but, but those beliefs, man, are really embedded within a lot of people. And, and you know, sometimes when you hear uh, people say, and I've heard people say um, how they, how dumb they thought they were, right? Because somewhere in their environment, someone told them that, and somehow they found a way to reinforce that, right? <clears throat> and then later they come to find out that they're really not. They're just mu- they're much more intelligent because they spend the time to do some reading. Um, they they test it a particular way, um, or they just eliminated certain people from their environment. And because your environment has a lot to do with the limiting beliefs that we buy into from a subconscious uh, level. This thing is so powerful because regardless of who you are, whether you were president of a country, um, a billionaire, some little person is whispering in someone's ear today that they can't do something uh, because for whatever reason. And so it, it impacts every human being on this earth. And it's how you overcome, right? It's what you put in place to, to eliminate this or minimize it that really speaks to how successful one could potentially be in life. 
that gets back to a concept we've also talked about in the past, that personal board of directors, because mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in the idea that uh, surrounding yourself with people who will tell you what they're seeing relative mm -hmm. to what you're doing mm -hmm. is really important. And having a good personal board of directors who will question that belief that you're expressing is incredibly important, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be confrontative. Sometimes it can be. It just depends on the personality of the individual, which way works. But a lot of times it's just as simple as explain to me why you think that, mm -hmm. right? You know, what? so what makes that so? What evidence are you presenting that, is going to make me believe that because it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And having those kind of conversations with people who are seeing the world differently than you is really a big uh, stimulus mm -hmm. to remove, remove those self-limiting beliefs. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking and I was like, I've been fortunate enough in my life to have people around me who already, who always try to, speak something positive to me or put me in a positive mindset. Not that I didn't have the limiting beliefs, but I was confident enough and I had enough, I'm going to call small wins, right? Small wins were um, playing playing ball and making my first team, getting my first A in, 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 in school, uh, moving from the B reading group to the A reading group as it built confidence. I found that as I built confidence, a lot of these self-limiting beliefs began to become minimal because I relied on what I considered to be the small wins in my life to, to build confidence, right? So when someone would come up with a belief, it would be to question it, right? I question, you know, well, someone said this about me, is this true? Is it not true? Uh, how can I overcome this, right? And so those little wins allowed me to say, well, I, I know I can do this. Not that, I, not that there wasn't a little bit of doubt there, but I convinced myself that whatever they were saying I couldn't do that I could do, right, based upon the little wins, right? And, and with those little wins, you know, there, there was a process Right, that I went through to go from the B reading group to the A reading group. That meant that I had to read more, right, to improve. And to make the team, I had to be better than someone else who didn't make the team, right? From a, from a self limiting belief perspective, some of those self limiting beliefs can also become positive beliefs. And that's what we have to move toward. Yeah, and you know, you hit a great topic that I want to spend a second on talking about because you talked about how, you know, those small wins built up and it helped you overcome smaller versions of, of negativity that were in your head, right? So those beliefs still exist. They just get minimized to mm -hmm. a certain extent. And then, you know, sometimes what we see is when the magnitude of the challenge increases, so mm -hmm. bigger a bigger obstacle mm -hmm. really wakes up some of those self-limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Even though they've previously been minimized, you've demonstrated a good track record, but all of a sudden, oh, this time I don't I don't see how I'm gonna make it. Right, 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 right. And we see that all the time, and you know. We also, I think, can explore where these self-limiting beliefs come from. Yes. And it's important to understand that so much of the time, we we don't know when we take one on, right? Mm -hmm. We just take on a belief. We take on a limitation. Kind of reminds me of uh, the Four Agreements book to a mm -hmm. certain extent, right? Mm -hmm. There are all these things that we have taken on that become limiters or governors of our future. Mm -hmm. So we have this whole thing that unless we figure out how to expressly 
turn down the volume a little bit on some of these things, mm-hmm. our future is set and mm-hmm. it's limited in the ways that we ourselves have accepted often unknowingly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's true. And the, and the impact that these self-limiting beliefs can have is powerful regardless of who you are, what you may have done, wh- who, what you may have seen, you know, and I can say, I remember growing up, African-American male in the South, and some of the self-limiting beliefs based upon what was taught by maybe parents or grandparents, and <clears throat> somehow figuring out that those self-belief, self-limiting beliefs weren't going to govern me, right? I'm a human being, so guess what? I'm going to go out and compete, whether it's academically, whether it's athletically, uh, whether it's in the workplace. And I'm going to let the chips fall where they may. And fortunately, um, uh, uh, some of those self-limiting beliefs that my parents or my grandparents had never became mine because of the little wins I'm saying, well, if I can make this happen, I can also make this happen. Meaning that I can take that confidence and say, if I work hard enough, if I network well enough, I can experience certain things that maybe they weren't able to experience because of what their belief systems were. And mine was a little bit different, right? It was I was more exploratory and saying, hey, I can, I can do this, and, and I see this, and I see that I'm better than this person in sports or in the, in the classroom, so I can put all this together and, and um, minimize my self-limiting beliefs. That really opens up such a topic that, that is fascinating because it's getting at the point of there's a lot of times a belief that, I've always done it this way Mm -hmm. and it works. And what that means is it has worked. Mm -hmm. And when you get into the whole concept of, you know, you were talking about how if you network differently, if you do these things differently, Mm -hmm. that you'll have different opportunities. Absolutely true. And for people whose opportunities have mostly come that way, the opposite is true, right? Because their limitation... At some point is, you know, well, they're thinking my network is going to carry me through. I'm going to be able to do this. At some point, that way of doing runs out. Mm-hmm. And maybe their thing that they need to develop is a greater expertise or do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. Uh, different in, mm-hmm. in some kind of way that is outside of that traditional way. Because mm-hmm. – um, as our friend Marshall Goldsmith says, what got you here won't get you there, yeah, right? That's right. That's so right. often that's true. That's right. That is so true. Uh, that helps us to analyze what we're capable of doing and also or what we haven't achieved, right? And, and, and we can look at what we haven't achieved from a perspective of a self-limiting belief. Have I not achieved this because of my beliefs? Can I achieve what I haven't achieved and what skill sets or what knowledge do I need to attain in order to achieve? You had just mentioned uh, one of the most damning phrases in corporations and corporate America, and that is, we've always done it this way. So our belief is we're going to continue to do it this way because here's a result we've created, right? But just because you did it that that way today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work tomorrow or work five hours from now, right? So again, what you said about Marshall Goldsmith, and that is what got you here won't get you there. That's the constant analysis of limiting beliefs. My beliefs that because I did it this way for so long, it's going to continue to drive the result that I'm looking for. But then when dynamics change in the environment, guess what happens? I can't drive that result any longer because my limiting belief that I can successfully do this prevented me from looking for other opportunities 
or be curious enough around what other methodologies maybe can be created to, to drive uh, success. That's why I like to think about it in terms of stability of beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Like I think in organizations, it is great to have a very stable why. Mm-hmm. It is important to have a very stable what in terms of, of, of what you intend to do. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to how, mm-hmm. if you have those self-limiting beliefs and too much stability in how you do a given thing, the end of your organization is in sight. That's right. Because that's what gets you trapped in that this is how we've always done it, right? Well, that how is going to change from day to day, from moment to moment, and certainly from era to era. And we know there are business examples of that everywhere. I think we're in one in healthcare right now, mm. quite frankly, mm-hmm. because there's been a certain way that we've always done things. There have been models that exist. They've evolved much more slowly than many other industries. And now, all of a sudden, in the wake of COVID, with great change, many things seem to be working poorly. Mm-hmm. And being trapped in how we've always done things to be successful is a really dangerous place to be, not just for, for us that are on the delivery side of healthcare, but also for those who need health care. And so this this phase of reimagining what health medical care ought to look like uh, is kind of something that we've got to challenge ourselves to get rid of some of these self-limiting beliefs. Uh, you know, I agree because one of the phrases that came out as a result of COVID was the new normal, right, as we were bouncing back, right? And you know, normal didn't work for a lot of people, right? So but now we're the new normal. So the new normal told me that some of those self-limiting beliefs that we had pri- prior to COVID, people are trying to implement after COVID. And the environment is totally different. And so some of what we've experienced and what we're experiencing around labor and organizations who, for whatever reason, they're not operating at full capacity because under those limiting beliefs, they treated people a particular way. Now with the new reality, the workforce is saying, we're not going to deal with those limiting beliefs. And I was asking someone the other day, because everybody was talking about labor shortages. I said, so where did the people go? (laughs) Where where, where did the people go? Right. Yeah, because... You know, it, it was it was tragic because I, I, I'm assuming maybe a million and a half, two people, two two million people, maybe maybe you know we lost or died during during the COVID as a result of COVID in the country. But that still leaves a lot of people. Well, and overwhelmingly, those lives lost were already outside of the workforce because it was heavily uh, older people and and vulnerable people that that had significant health problems anyway right so the the numeric effect on the potential workforce you know really really just wasn't there Uh, so we have to understand that 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 represents something that is so totally different and we have to we have to grapple with that now one thing we can say for sure is that whatever my limited belief system is when an incoming stimulus hits me, my action is going to be 100% consistent with that belief That's system, right. Right? That's right? That's right. Like, That's right. And that is true of everybody. That's so right. it basically whatever your set of rules are that you believe you can play by determines every action that you take. That's right. And what we're talking about here is something fundamentally different, right? We're talking about how do I entertain the possibility of a different set of beliefs in certain areas? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um, as we do more research, as we read more, as we have more experiences with different people, our belief systems are somewhat impacted. Right. And, and so when I think about the, the limiting beliefs and I think about CEOs who are calling people back to work, right, back into the office space, 
And so their set of limiting beliefs saying that people have to be in the office space versus being a hybrid, maybe maybe all virtual, maybe virtual and sometimes in the office. Uh, there are a great deal of CEOs who, who haven't been that flexible based upon their old belief system that people have to be in the office. And what we're talking about, as you just said, is examining what the possibilities are. How can we set up our people such that they can work and still be more effective and efficient in what they're doing in their task on a day-to-day -day basis? How can we mold ourselves as an organization to design the metrics for the new workspace uh, in, 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 in corporate? And from a personal perspective, how can I look at what my beliefs are and examine them such that maybe they change, they, they, they change go a 180-degree change, right, around what that, that belief is. I, I remember a story uh, that I heard some years ago uh, regarding the Black Panthers and, and, and Fred Hampton. And there was a gentleman who had moved from the South, a white gentleman who would moved from the South, who while he was in the South, he was a member of... Uh, the KKK. And so he goes to Chicago and he meets a Black Panther. But Fred Hampton's approach to him was, it's not about black and white. It's the same system that's oppressing us both. So take a look at your belief system and what you're thinking, but let me give you the evidence of the oppression by the same system that's oppressing both of us. And the story ended up where this gentleman who was once a member of the KKK began attending Black Panther Party meetings simply because he realized that it was about the resources and the common oppression that drove, drove he and Fred together from a human perspective not a color perspective, not a limiting belief perspective, because he was able to, over a period of time, change his limiting beliefs because he was provided with evidence around one belief being inaccurate, but seeing what the reality actually was around how both were being oppressed, and it was more around class and economics than, any, than it was around one being black or one being white. New reality, right? Yes. A perfect example of how an individual creates a new reality. And we, you know, you, I love the way you talked about the new reality and used the going back to the office as an example as well. And it really made me think about something I talked about earlier. A limiting belief mm -hmm. is that uh, things should be easier. Well, the flip side of that is also true because there's a certain set of limiting beliefs mm -hmm. that that says. Oh, this is supposed to be hard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That harder is going to be better. That if I just apply myself mm -hmm. in this same, you know, direction, but do it more vigorously, mm -hmm. it's going to work out all right. That's a limiting belief too, mm -hmm. because we have to entertain the idea, and this is fundamentally the job of leadership that we're doing the wrong work. That's right. And maybe it's only a couple of degrees off wrong. But if you play that out over time, a couple of degrees ends up miles away mm -hmm. once you're down the road. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for us to just always be willing to stop and listen to ourselves. And the first thing mm -hmm. is, and in my experience, the first thing is turn my own volume down mm -hmm. a little bit. Once it's turned down enough and it's not driving that thought process so hard, challenge myself mm -hmm. and then for me where it's been most successful is when I get help mm. right mm -hmm. like and we call it reality checking right in leadership that's a you know that's one of the EQ skills right mm -hmm. are you able to reality mm -hmm. check mm -hmm. what you're believing mm -hmm. that requires humility mm -hmm. um, and it requires work because mm -hmm. there's no you know when you reality check so often, maybe it's just me. I don't know. That's a self-limiting belief. <laughs> so often, mm -hmm. I find an opportunity for, even if it's a pretty good idea, for it to be better. Yes. 
right? Or even if I, you know, almost every time that I think something that is real and is moving along is in a good place, I find out that it definitely needs to be communicated more if I'm going to be able to see the type of success I aspire to. Mm -hmm. And so that reality checking piece is really important, right? And that's what helps you understand that, you know, your own personal reality is always an illusion. It Mm -hmm. may be closer to real reality or Mm -hmm. farther from real reality, Mm -hmm. rarely if ever spot on. You know, two questions that come to mind when I think about limiting beliefs is, why do I believe as I believe? And how did I come to believe what I believe, right? Oftentimes, people don't understand why they believe, how they believe. All they know is they believe. And then sometimes people need to understand and ask themselves a question. The question, why do I feel the need to believe in my self-limiting belief? What do I actually get out of that, right? There's some kind of return on that, right? And as I listened to you talk a few minutes ago, what came to mind was the courage to analyze my self-limiting beliefs because it takes courage because we're talking about a whole we're talking about mental models and paradigms and how we see the world um, around these limiting beliefs but I, I think some of those questions are important and if we can just get people thinking about why do I believe as I believe courage that courage is so important because in order to do what you're talking about one thing that's often required is the courage to entertain one of the most common human fears that there is, and that is that you're not good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, we have beliefs that have carried us through a certain way, and to question these beliefs sometimes means we have to entertain that. You know that belief system is is kind of wrong, mm-hmm. right? And the courage to get over that, to get over the threat, which is a fear, which is often an illusion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? It requires that leap of faith, right? And what we're talking about is not. You know, that you're not a good guy or I'm not a good guy or she's not a good person or mm-hmm. it's nothing about that, right? It is it is about how do we look at what our shared reality is, mm-hmm. understand that better, and create more elegant solutions. So this concept of of, of fears, you know, we gotta get over, you know, and I love the I love the Michael Jordan quote about mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. About, you know, uh, overcoming fears. We might ought to do a, an episode around that, right? Mm-hmm. This is where he talks about the limitations mm-hmm. like fears mm-hmm. are often just an illusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's so true. And when you put that together with the fact that we've just spent all this time talking about mm-hmm. reality illusion and that, you know, we're, we're living in a, half bubble off plum, if you will, (laughs) world of illusion. (laughs) Each one of us are, that becomes really important because you have to overcome those limitations and you have to overcome those fears in order to get to the good stuff. That's where we all want to go. That's right. To the good stuff. And you know, one of the questions I came up with some years ago, as I was just contemplating limits, what if we never heard the word limitation? How much better would the world be if no one ever said you have a limitation? You didn't know what the word meant. How much more could we achieve if we never heard limitation? What would you do? What would you try if you knew you couldn't fail? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. And self-limiting beliefs takes us down the path that I can fail. I can fail. So the fear 
of not doing it because I could possibly fail, right? Because that's a limitation that I have, even though it's an illusion, right? It's an illusion. I remember, I'll tell this story, um, going down to, I think it was the Bahamas, and guys were talking about going out on a boat and going out to see the coral reef, right? I hadn't been swimming in a long time. But what I did know is I wanted to see that coral reef. That's what I did know. And so the limiting beliefs would have told me that, no, you hadn't really been out in the ocean swimming, so you can't see it. But what I did know is my desire to see it was stronger than whatever the, the self-limiting belief was. So I took the chance. And I dove off into the water so that I could see it, knowing that I might make it back and I might not make it back. But I didn't let my limiting belief hinder me from seeing the beauty of that coral reef. So I'm here sitting having this conversation <laughs> today, so I made it back. And so that for me, that was you know just obliterating a self-limiting belief that, and, and to show that it was truly an illusion. Yeah, you, and you talk about, you know, my favorite my favorite one, right? My favorite self-limiting belief, I'd have to say, if you got to pick one. They're all my favorites, but, you know, failure is undesirable. It's mm -hmm. an incredibly limiting belief, and it hits us in all kinds of different ways. I mean, and I remember one time on my leadership journey, I finally had, had hit that point, you know, I'm probably at that time in my mid forties and I really, I really had too much going on. I wasn't doing a good job of saying no often enough, mm. which is another self-limiting belief that right. you have to say yes to too many things. Right. Saying no is really important. But I remember I went to this annual, uh, meeting retreat and one of my mentors was there and it was my intention to tell her at that time that, I'd had this leadership epiphany that I knew I was too busy, that I was going to start saying no to some mm -hmm. things. And I was going to drop the, the programmatic thing that I was doing. I was actually her successor mm -hmm. in a leadership position at the North Carolina Medical Society Foundation. And so I get about halfway into that story and I'm telling it, you know, I'm selling it good and everything. And I'll never forget. She looks right at me and she says, Doc, I understand all that as long as you don't quit this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when that, you know, so a sense of failure hit me right then. I'm like, mm -hmm. man, I can't even quit something right. <laughs> right? Like, I can't even quit something right. But it created a space. Mm -hmm. And so what I did in that instance is I went through the rest of the weekend of that retreat with a sense of curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and part of that was, Oh God, what do I do now? But I went through it with a sense of curiosity. And at the end of that retreat, I realized how important it was to me to help develop other physician leaders, mm -hmm. which is what that role was. Mm -hmm. I realized how important that was. I realized how much I enjoyed mm -hmm. helping other people get better in their leadership journeys and how much I grew from that mm -hmm. particular uh, mm -hmm. coaching or teaching role. And so I fundamentally restructured other things that enabled me to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And I've never looked back on it. But when I do recount the episode, I realize that failure was incredibly important to what I became. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that limiting belief of failure is bad is something that we got to mm -hmm. sometimes get rid of. Yep, I would agree. I would agree 100%. I remember when I moved first moved to Columbus, Ohio, never having run a division of a company before, and I'm like, wow, this is huge. I'm not quite so sure if I can do it. You know, you sit around the table, this guy's intelligent, and she's intelligent. And, you know, these guys, you know, have it. What impact can I really have? I'm not so sure. Um, and so all of that doubt and those beliefs, you know, coming, you know, at me, but, you know, going back to the little wins and, you know, how I built the confidence and taking it one day at a time and one step at a time and constantly analyzing what I believed. And, and uh, that helped me, you know, being curious, 
really helped me overcome those uh, limiting beliefs. And I heard, I've heard you say many times, uh, talk about connections uh, that you still maintain today mm-hmm. based on relationships then. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I heard you uh, recount just now something that is, is, a, is a good belief. That whole iron sharpens iron, right? Yes. You're in a room with a bunch of smart people. Yes. You're not sure if, if you're smart enough. You're probably in exactly the right room, right? That's right. Because you didn't get there by accident. Right, right. And you can grow. Yeah. Right. So you definitely have potential. Somebody saw in you a potential. Yes. To get into that room, wherever it is. And... You can learn from that. That's right. That that that's always the key. Because I've I've often told told stories of I'm in rooms and I'm like, wow, I'm wild initially, right? And but iron sharpens iron. And so all of a sudden, it's like you know, initially you're the kid in the candy store, but then all of a sudden, the kid in the candy store became you know becomes you know one of the thinkers because you begin to observe and you realize that hey, I'm just as good or I'm just as intelligent, uh, and I'm here you know by no mistake. Uh, I'm here, you know, I was placed in this room, I was chosen, and so all of a sudden that reality happens versus the illusion of, you know, these people that you kind of see as gods initially, and then all of a sudden the reality sets in and you see them as human, and then you realize that you're just as capable. Yeah, you know, because that's one of the, one of the concepts I want us to hit uh, is is it's easier to see somebody else's self-limiting beliefs than it is to see your own sometimes. And it's easier to recognize that somebody else is living in a false reality than it is to recognize that you yourself are. And so you get in those rooms and at first maybe you're intimidated and then you just, you sort of bathe yourself in all of that and start listening. That's right. And you realize it's not that somebody else is better or smarter. They're just different. That's it. Right. And the more places that you find yourself that are like that, where you have that aha moment Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of different belief systems in here. Mm -hmm. And then you work through that and Mm -hmm. you can help take a discussion in the direction of y'all realize there are a lot of different belief systems in here. Mm Y'all realize, Mm -hmm. They're all valid. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's now, right. what can we make out of all these new puzzle pieces that we have? That's right. How can we come to something in common that we all have in common given all the puzzle pieces, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah, the beauty of diversity and inclusion right. and belonging, right? That's right. And belonging has that two-sided component, right? Like belonging, it's important for other people to let people belong. Mm-hmm. It's also important for me to believe that I belong in a given group. And when that happens, transformation is right around the corner. That's right. I'd agree with you 100% on that. And uh, again, I've come to those realizations where there was illusion. Now I'm at the point of realization, okay, you know, I, I add value. They add value. We have different values. And guess what? Those, those, the, the value that you add and the value that I add can make that transformation occur uh, if we really implement and execute against it. One of the things that I always, uh, you know, wonder is what does it take, right? And mm-hmm. we like to, a lot of times on, on these episodes, we raise a lot of questions, both curious guys and mm-hmm. both write much experience in different areas, you know, but if you were gonna if you were gonna pick out uh, a piece of advice or a tactic uh, that you like to use or that you recommend to others for stopping the self limiting belief, mm-hmm. what would it be? It's real simple. I think uh, Nike said it best: "Just do it." What I do is I find some limiting self limiting belief that I have, something that's small. And I'll go do it. I make it happen, right? And then what that does is it eliminates that self-limiting belief. Then I choose another one, right? Uh, and then I go do it. To eliminate and to minimize means that you have to go put something into action to prove 
your self-limiting belief wrong because again self-limiting self-limiting beliefs are always trying to prove themselves right you have to prove it wrong and once you prove it wrong in your mind guess what you do you create a a, a realization that that self-limiting belief wasn't accurate and that all this time when you believed that all you had to do was go do whatever that belief is to overcome it that's all it is that's all I do it's real simple Terry you can't run two miles okay well I'm gonna train to run two miles and when I get to two miles man I could have did this a long time ago you know um it's real it's real simple I, let me go ahead and man this is a this is a thousand this is a this is a thousand pages in this book let me take it a bite at a time until I till I read it all well, you know, I can do that in X amount of time, right? Because I've just proved my, myself wrong. So I don't <clears throat> look at things from a a difficulty perspective. I kind of look at things of when do I want to do it? When do I want to accomplish it? And that's a different mindset in and of itself. When do I want to accomplish it versus I can never accomplish it? Accomplish it. I'll set a time frame, and then I'll say, okay, I'm going to do this. Man, that's an important component of personal accountability, right? Because once you, once you set that timeline, it 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 necessitates an action mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get to mm-hmm. get there. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, you know, obviously one of the keys to eliminating self-limiting beliefs is recognizing them. Mm. You know, so there's a there's that because a lot of them dwell in the un, unawareness phase, right? But you, over time, you can kind of develop a little bit of a spidey sense for mm-hmm. when something is not quite right. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I like to do is ask myself a question. If I, if I get the sense that I might be in a self-limited space, I start saying, what must be true in order for this to be the reality? Mm-hmm. What must I believe for this limitation to be true. And a lot of times that opens up just enough space to either give me the courage to overcome that fear and take action mm-hmm. or do that reality checking with somebody else who is, who is looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, I definitely use the same tools you do of breaking it down into the next viable step. Right. Mm-hmm. If, 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 this huge thing is to be accomplished i don't have to do all that right this second necessarily Mm -hmm. right what i do need to do is find the next viable step i saw you make a post about Mm -hmm. writing and you said you know you don't have to write the whole book right Mm -hmm. you just have to focus on write the the next good (laughs) sentence that's it that's it that's it and you know i've and some people might term it arrogance right but i figured that it's not what I can't do. It's that I haven't tried to do it. So I figure I can do it if I really want to do it. So that's my belief now. I can do it if I really want to do it. I haven't done it because I just hadn't tried it. But if I try it, I can I can do it. And so I've kind of moved away from that whole self-limiting. Not that you don't have the doubts that creep in from time to time. you know. But if I really want to do it, I can do it if I set my mind to doing it. Right? And it gets caught up in language, right? Like yeah. I saw a recent uh, a recent post that was real clarifying for me because it says, you know, a lot of, we, we get approached with so many different things that people mm-hmm. may be asking us to do as, as leaders or mm-hmm. professionals mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And we, you do have to learn to say no. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times it's, I can't do this, I can't do that. That develops a mindset, right? Yeah, that's right. Far better is it to change that and say, I don't That's right. do this thing or I won't be able to do that one, That's right? right. That's because right. you're not putting a limitation on your ability. You're just saying, I'm making a very active choice yes. about how I'm going to spend my time. And to me, that's one of the more powerful tools 
in in this whole game of of checking yourself on your self limiting beliefs, you got to start by talking to yourself respectfully, which means that's right. I'm making a choice. I'm not limited. That's right. Because the mind only knows what you feed it. If you keep feeling it, the can't. If you keep feeding it, the can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. Guess what? I can't do it. And you begin to believe it, right? So you add into those self-limiting beliefs. But if you said, hey, I'm making a choice. I choose not to do this, and I choose to do this, then that's a whole different ball game and a whole different mindset. And so I kind of fall in that line of, you know what? I know I can do it. I just choose not to do it at this particular time. But if I want to, I can. Because the small wins, I've done, I've accomplished so many things to me in my life that, you can't tell me that I can't do anything. I choose not to do it, and it's the power of choice. And the other parallel to that I use a lot is when you're stuck, mm-hmm. truly stuck. Uh, a lot of times I say, I don't see how I'm going to get out of this yet, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I don't see how I'm going to do it. I don't put the question in my own mind of we're not going to make it out, right? Mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm. am like, I don't know how this is going to work. Well, Terry, this has been a great episode. We want to thank our viewers, obviously. And if they want to follow up on any of these topics that we talk about, you know, certainly you can go to unlikelyintersection.com, check us out. You can check us out on YouTube or you can catch me on LinkedIn at Doc Phillip Brown or you. You can catch me at Terry Jackson. Uh, PhD on LinkedIn as well and we 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 encourage you to engage with us leave comments uh, on, on the YouTube uh, uh, episodes and we, we we will definitely get back with you see you at the next unlikely intersection <laughs>